the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. 6.04. It's Thursday. Wow, what a day. I mean, you know, I had a, a really good friend, Dr. George Weinberg, and uh, he passed away at the age of 88 in 2017, but we were really tight. And uh, maybe the last, I don't know, five years of his life, when things slowed down and I would just go hang out with him and I would tell him what my day was like, he would just beam. He would get so exciting. So exciting. You have such an exciting life. Last night I was um, at my desk and um, I was actually hanging out with Luca. And I, uh, after I had dinner with IGG and um, Anthony Giordano of the Columbus Citizens Foundation, and I um, got a text from my client telling me there was going to be a protest outside of the courthouse where we had her case on tomorrow, meeting today. So um, that client is a New York City councilwoman, a Brooklyn councilwoman, who is accused of uh, having a gun in a zone where even though she's allowed to carry a gun, she has a permit for the gun. Um, she got the gun because of verified threats against her. Um, and she's allowed to carry the gun. There are certain areas, according to the law, where you're not allowed to have a gun. And um, she's accused of being in one of those areas. And she's a Jewish woman. And there is there was a, a poster that we got or an announcement that there was going to be a protest in front of the courthouse. Um, and it was the same group that protested in Times Square and then had that rather violent protest in, um, in Bay Ridge on that Saturday afternoon. Um, and, you know, the 19 people were arrested there. So I'm not like making it up when I said it was a violent protest. Um, I don't consider that a small number. Uh, and the way they treated the police was horrible. So fortunately, my partner, John Esposito, who hopefully we'll hear from uh, later in the show because we had a special event for um, the retiring chief of the Court Officers Association, Court Officers Union, Dennis Quirk, had his walkout today. We'll talk about what that is later. But we represent the Court Officers Union. So we did call over there to the courthouse to give them a heads up because they want that. They need to know that there's going to be a protest in front of the courthouse. And um, the case is an E felony. E is an elephant. It's yet to be indicted. Um, the directive by uh, the court personnel was, you know, let's why don't you guys get here early and we'll get the case called right away. And we did, and it was pretty um, uneventful. I mean, what happens on an initial arraignment is there was no issue about bail. The person was, you know, they were consenting to release in their own recognizance. And um, 
which means you know you're promising to come back to court. A court date is not until January 24th, which the district attorney of Brooklyn, Eric Gonzalez, um, said to me, yeah, what was that, a joke that you adjourned it to that date? And I, I didn't know what he was talking about. I saw him later on in the day at this walkout I just spoke of. I said, no, why, why would that be a joke? Because that's my birthday. So it was kind of, we exchanged some lightheartedness. I'll talk about that later on in the show as well, because we have an action-packed show. It's Thursday, so I have Chief Kemper on to talk about what's going on in the subways, because some horrible stuff went on in the subways. And um, then I have a professor on who's going to talk a little bit about what happened in the Trump case, because I was a little busy. Um, to, that I didn't focus on that. That's Professor Alan Sanders. He's a former Time Magazine senior reporter. He's going to talk to us about the Trump case. But in our case this morning, so we go in, and initially there was no media or anyone there, and um, but we just, the whole proceeding in front of the judge, I think, took 90 seconds. Um, the interesting part was there was no ballistics report because one of the uh, requirements is you have to have a, a, a gun that's operable. doesn't necessarily have to be loaded, but it has to be capable of firing um, a projectile. So we don't have the report back from that. And then here was the odd part. The And I'm sure my father is going to go crazy when he hears this. Normally, any criminal court complaint says, at this time, at this place, um, either... I, police officer so-and-so, saw John Doe do X, Y, and Z, or I, police officer so-and-so, was informed by John Doe that I saw this person do X, Y, and Z. Here, it says, um, I, John, uh, I, police officer, um, was forwarded um, social media photos, Medias that, uh, photos that were on social media that showed this person in possession of a gun. Now, Someone may say, well, Arthur, you know, you could convict someone on a, a video in a, a bar or in a restaurant. Yeah. But the way that happens is something, an incident happens in the bar in the restaurant and the detective goes to the bar in the restaurant, speaks to the owner, uh, either gets a search warrant for the tape or it's voluntarily giving over to whatever recording device it's on. There's a chain of custody. There's what's called authentication. So you, you know, you're able to say, well, Who's had access to this machine? Who's had the ability basically to alter anything on here? Where is the camera located? When was it, uh, you know, is it on all the time? Is it motion activated? Um, you know, when was the last time the system was checked? You know, where was this, you know, where were you standing? Where were they standing? What was the lighting like? All those kinds of questions here. They're just saying based on images seen on social media. Look, in, in today's artificial intelligence world, we spoke about on the radio yesterday. They could have put a lightsaber because it's a photograph of her with the gun in her waistband in a forbidden zone. In today's artificial intelligence world, you could put anything. You could put a kangaroo in her waistband. So the bottom line, so we, we, we leave the courtroom. We take her. We walk her right out to the car. She didn't say a word. She handled herself absolutely appropriately. And then there's the, the gaggle, the scrum of um, reporters. And I know many of them. And, and it's amazing how... Initially, they're like fighting each other to like get around me. I go, guys, 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 slow down. This is not my first rodeo. I'm not going anywhere. You could treat each other nicely. I mean, they're literally elbowing each other so they could hear what I have to say. 
So, you know, I just basically said what I just told you guys, which is, you know, look, we have to wait. We have to get the ballistics report, make sure the gun is operable, or if it is or if it isn't, that's their burden of proof. And we need something a little bit better than a picture we saw on social media. My guess is they'll come up with uh, a human being that says, yeah, I was at this event and I saw her with a gun in her waistband. It's gotten some really big coverage. I can't tell you how many texts I've gotten. Apparently, it's on TV of me walking out of the house and a couple of statements that I made. Um so that was that. And then a little later on in the day, I start, my phone starts blowing up and I get calls from all reporters about, um, a search warrant that was executed on the house of, uh, one of the women who works on the campaign to reelect Eric Adams. And the, uh, and everyone knows Mayor Adams has been on this show. I know the woman who was the subject of the search warrant. Um, I know her reasonably well i mean i've been in her presence more than a dozen times apparently it has to do not with this re-election but the 2021 and um whether that there was anything that was done that was improper or any illegal this was a uh, an fbi um executed search warrant which means it's the feds um which means it's the southern district of new york which is the the biggest and most powerful prosecutor's office in the United States of America. So it's a little, so you're always a little scared. But you know, I was the one who got the call from Rudy Giuliani at 6.15 in the morning, I don't know, two years ago now, when they did the same thing to him. And his, uh, the lawyer who actually went in and spoke to the prosecutors, Bob Costello, did a spectacular job clarifying that everything they picked up, that there was no issues there. And, um, nothing happened. You know, they, they, Gave Rudy back his iPad and his phones. I believe he got him back. But, you know, they went through everything. They said, okay, yep, there's you know, no, no harm, no foul, sorry. So it's been a busy day in the law. The Trump trial was going on. That was all going on, you know, down with Dennis Quirk had this walkout. I was in Brooklyn. I was in the Brooklyn courthouse. I was in the Midtown office. Um, Christina Pesci, um, has, who was with us for many years, five years, and then kind of semi-retired. She came, she's coming back on a part-time basis, which has made everyone so happy. Today was her first day. We were ecstatic to see her beautiful, smiling face. She is the epitome of efficiency while not being, or at least appearing to be stressed out or stressing us out. Um, we need to talk about what's going on on the subways. I was all over the subways. I was bouncing around. I went and saw my friend Henry Mazurik. It's his birthday. It's Kenny Dobbins' birthday. Happy birthday, Uncle Kenny. Um, we got a great show. We're going to talk um, crime in the subways. We're going to talk the Trump case. We're going to talk about Dennis Quirk and his big walkout and what happened at the courthouse. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to get Johnny Bish Esposito. Um, I'm going to the um, the Board of Rabbis dinner tonight. My rest of my crew is going to the uh, Kings County Criminal Bar Association tonight. Fun, busy, interesting, non-boring times here at Idala Batuna and Cammons. I hope you're enjoying your Thursday night. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Chief Kemper. Don't go anywhere. There's nothing worse than hearing about people living in pain. So I'd like to tell you about Keith from Washington and his Relief Factor story. After years of activity from college football to running a martial arts studio, at age 51, Keith's body felt like it was wearing out. So he gave Relief Factor a try. Keith says he now has, quote, little to no pain in my knees and highly reduced neck pain. Feeling so much better, he pursued a second degree black belt. I can testify to everything except the black belt part, how much it has helped me. 
Relief Factor. If you're living with aches and pain, see how Relief Factor, a daily drug-free supplement, could help you feel and live better every day. To get started, try the Relief Factor 3-Week Quick Start Kit. It's only $19.95. Comes with a feel better or your money back guarantee. Visit relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. That's 800, the number 4, RELIEF. We are moving now. Electric bikes are everywhere. They are quiet and very fast. Teens ride them on the roads, in bike lanes, but also in places they should not be, like sidewalks and parks. When you ride, wear a helmet. Don't speed. Watch out for pedestrians and cars. New York State and your community have specific rules for electric bikes. Follow them. Go to trafficsafety.ny.gov for more info. A message brought to you by the Governor's Traffic Safety Committee. As a local business owner, you get called every week by marketing companies. We get it. We have hundreds of satisfied customers. Here's what a satisfied client recently said. Open enrollment is going great. We're hitting record numbers. Thank you so much for this report. It really is amazing to see how the marketing is really shaping our enrollment around the city. If you're a local business and ready for the next step, Google Salem Surround New York right now. Our experts are ready to help you take your marketing to the next level. Google Salem Surround New York today. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. Thank you for listening to this station and for caring about the world around you. It's one of the reasons why we exist at Salem Communications. And in our New York radio stations, every year, we welcome back our friends, Food for the Poor. Paul Jacobs is here. And Paul, we're helping countries like Guatemala and Haiti and children that live there. Why? Well, the basic reason is because these are children just like your children that need help, that do not eat every day. These are parents just like you that care about how their children is raised and don't have to worry anymore of how they're going to keep a roof over their children's head. They're going to provide them an education and give them food to eat. That ans- that can be answered with one act of generosity. Call 855-919-4673, 855-919-4673. You can also give online at am970theanswer.com, but the easiest way is just to call 855-919-4673. Let's talk about Connors and Sullivan. We all know that planning for the future is important. Are you and your family protected? If you're not around to make the decisions, who will? Are your assets protected from probate and nursing home costs? The time to plan is now. Correct. On my birthday, on your birthday, the soon as possible. That's the way to go. You may need a will, a trust, a power of attorney, a health care proxy, a living will, an estate plan. The goal of Connors & Sullivan attorneys is always the protection of your rights and interests. They've been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years. So visit them for a free, no obligation consultation. Call Connors & Sullivan today to schedule a free in-person initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. And remember what Mike Connor says, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Listen to AM970, The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. Back in 
in the headline. Well, San Bellino likes to play little Beastie Boys for the chief of transit of the NYPD, Chief Kemper. Welcome back to the Idola Power Hour, Chief. How are you on this Thursday? Arthur, I'm doing great. And I, I, as soon as I heard the Beastie Boys come on, I'm like, man, you didn't forget it. And now I found out that it's it's, it's Matt taking care of that. Good job, Matt. It is Matt. Matt. No, no, no. Matt, Matt is Love in charge. You're Sam welcome. Sam, Sam Bellino's the man. <laughs> Sam Bellino is the man. So, um, Chief Kemper... Uh, you know, you're so good at this, and, and I, as I mentioned to you last time, people look for you. They're like, when are you having the, 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 the subway guy on again? I go, you oh, mean yeah, the chief yeah, of yeah. transit? They're like, yeah, yeah, he's good. He's good. He tells you how, he tells you like it is. He tells you like it is. Um, you know, we had a couple of rough little, uh, couple of rough little episodes in the subway of people getting attacked. I mean, a pregnant woman, uh, another person shoved onto the tracks in lower Manhattan. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, talk to me, Chief Kemper. Talk, give us the state of the union of the subways, of which I just got off uh, the four train today, the six train today, the R train and the D train. So tell me what what's going on down there. Arthur, right before we spoke, literally uh, at five o'clock ish, I got a phone call. So uh, and, and an update on one of those cases you just uh, spoke about. And it's, it's a positive phone call. So I'll talk about an unfortunate incident that happened yesterday in Manhattan. About 10 o'clock in the morning, 10.15, uh, uh, at the Brooklyn Bridge Station on the uh, six-line platform. So we had a guy, a 28-year-old victim, uh, who was on a platform. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, somebody came up from behind him and unprovoked pushed him uh, onto the uh, roadbed. Fortunately, there was no train in the station. There was no train coming in. Uh, he was taken off the roadbed, back on the platform. He was helped up. And, uh, again, fortunately, his, his injuries were minor. Uh, but again, that speaks to uh, uh, that speaks to um, you know the concerns of our riders, and that's that's like everyone's worst nightmare. And listen, fortunately, that it is it's a rare event, uh, but when they do happen, they generate a lot of media attention and fear, and understandably so. So I, I brought up that I, I got that phone call. So again, we talk a lot about video surveillance in the uh, New York City subway system. We always talk about how. Uh, valuable it is you know within literally minutes uh we had video of a person of interest uh we released that video to the media and we just grabbed that guy in manhattan so uh looks like the arrest it wasn't even it's not even processed yet that that's how new it is so again we grabbed them and you you just got to shake your head and scratch your head and say what are these people thinking like how dare you push something that's what i wanted to ask you chief camper and I, I'm not asking you to tell me the truth. I'm asking you to tell me what your thoughts are based on your experience. What's the likelihood that a guy like that is suffering from some form of mental illness? I think I think the likelihood is great. I mean, who would do that in their right mind? And and again, I say this, Arthur, I say this with sincerity. Like, how dare you? Like, what what goes through your mind to push someone onto the train tracks, right? You, you know, uh, again, when we arrest these people, I don't even have his pedigree. That's how new it is, you know, the arrest. So I can't even speak of the uh, the person. I would not be shocked if this person did not have any sort of uh, psych history. What about this woman, um, this pregnant woman who got like kicked in the belly? I mean, wow, you got to be a real evil person to kick a pregnant woman in the belly. This was on the seven train, was it? Wasn't it yesterday? Yeah, it was a couple of days ago, and 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 that's another case where I'm I'm pretty confident that. Um, there'll be an arrest made, uh, you know, shortly. We, we released again, you know, a photograph of the, uh, of the perp in that. 
Uh, and again, that, that was a dispute that started on a train between both parties. And, and again, who, I, I don't know, Arthur, you, you know, I just shake my head all the time when I hear these stories and I see these stories like, you know, how dare you punch someone pregnant? How dare you stab someone, push someone? And again, we make these arrests. There has to be consequences. There must be consequences. There has to be consequences for this. That guy that threw that guy in a train track, you, you know, I, you know, again, I'm not the judge. Um, I'm not the jury, uh, but that guy does not belong in civilized society. That's just my opinion, and I stand by that. Well, I, th- I think a lot of folks uh, would agree with your opinion. Let- let's just talk about the uh, ridership in general. Is a ridership on the subways looking up, down, the same? Yeah, so ridership... Uh... So ridership's at the highest level since uh, since the pandemic. I mean, uh, the MTA releases their ridership numbers uh, routinely, and we're hovering around that four million, four plus million uh, daily paid rider mark. So uh, that's exciting. It, it's a, it's a really really good sign. And again, we're looking at uh, there are certain days, even a couple nights ago. Uh, you know, we, we just came off the Halloween parade in the village. Heavy heavy ridership, and we're expecting the same this Sunday uh, for the marathon. Any uh, any big episodes at the parade, crime wise? No, you know, uh, you know. Fortunately, no. A lot of planning went into that. Uh, a lot of additional assets, resources were out there. You know, uniform wise, visible, uh, invisible, like stealth. I like to call it, like uh, plain clothes. Uh, you know, we had a lot of support units working, both above ground, you know, street level and subway system. And fortunately, that parade went off without a hitch. No negative incidents to report. So, Chief Kemper. Here's a question I want to ask because people have asked this to me. Uh, and I know, you know, when I played sports, one of our models was like, enough is never enough. But do you feel, I'll limit it just to your department. Do you have enough police officers to do the job you want to do? And again, I know, right, everyone wants more. I wish I had more lawyers here and more paralegals here. But, you know, are you feeling comfortable or, or you want to make a little recruiting uh, pitch right now? Look, we're always, listen, you always want more. You just said that. Uh, we're always recruiting. We're always looking uh, for, for more cops. And if anyone's listening, they, they can call the uh, 212 recruit or go to the uh, website, the NYPD website. Uh, but as far as having enough cops to get the job done, yeah, we're, uh, we're in a decent position. And listen, Arthur, we've spoken about this before. You know, this administration has been extremely vocal where public safety is their top priority. And you know, a lot, a lot of overtime is given, particularly into the subway system, uh, to ensure not only uh, appropriate coverage, but excess coverage. And a, a lot of dividends are being paid. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty confident with the uh, with the headcount. I could say this, you know, just looking at the Transit Bureau, our headcount has not gone, gone down in years. Okay, I'm happy to hear that. By the way, Chief Kemper, does the Transit Bureau that you're the chief of, does that include uh, the buses, city buses? You know what? It's interesting you say that. The the, uh, the short answer is no, or the quick answer is no. Uh, it does not. But uh, we are uh, we have just begun a pilot uh, in a couple of boroughs where um, members of the transit bureau are going to be working with uh, members of the MTA. They call them Eagle Teams, and focusing on certain bus lines, uh, specifically focusing on fare evasion and quality of life. Believe it or not, if you talk to the MTA. Uh, they'll tell you that the fare evasion is more rampant on the buses than the subway system. Oh, I yeah, I would definitely b- believe that, especially since you know there are some stations in the subway stations, like 
85th Street and 4th Avenue in Bay Ridge in, in Brooklyn, you know, it's got that revolving gate. Like you can't really, you can't evade the fare. You got to go to 86th Street and jump the turnstile. But, um, yeah. yeah, I see people walk on, you know, it's interesting because, so today I forget which stop it was, but you know, I got out and somebody, I'm leaving the train and somebody opened the door from inside and now I'm watching people just not pay the fare and come in. And now I, I walked out that same door. Now I'm leaving the system. I've already paid to come in. And for a second, I, I was like, what the heck am I doing? Am I, am I, did I just like jump the turnstile? Like I lost my mind. Meanwhile, I'm like, Arthur, you're leaving. You're, you're already paid going in. But there is like that, that millisecond. I, and I'll, I think that has to do with how you're raised. Cause now there's all these people. The door is open. They can stroll right in or you can go and, you know, put your now most people are putting their apple phones or their you know google phones on and and paying and i did see uh, many most of the people paid but yeah there were some people who just just strolled in and invaded the fair and besides the financial consequences and i know i sound like a broken record it just sets a bad vibe that you know you're breaking the law to go into a law-abiding place i i don't think that sets the the environment that we any of us want to be in yeah, and, and, you know, two, a couple of things on that. First of all, I'm, I'm going to the videotape with my team to look for you to see if you did fair evade. Oh, there and we go. Did, Thank you. If you did, you're going to have a big problem. Can I get a DAT? Right. <laughs> for, for you, I might even give you a tab summons and release you on scene. We'll see. All right. I appreciate uh, that. But uh, you're right. It just create. Listen, obviously, you know, financially and, and financial reasons to the MTA, put that aside. The paying customer. Uh, feels, uh, you know, like, why am I paying and they're not? Put that aside. But you're right. It creates a sense of lawlessness, right, when people come into the subway system, if they see people just openly jumping the turnstile. And, again, that's why we invest so much resources. That's a big part, and it's a big, uh, it, it's a big component of our crime reduction strategy, that fair evasion uh, and that uh, turnstile presence. And, and we do a lot of work there. A lot of value comes from that, and we have a lot of success. All right, Chief Kemper, I, I think I'm actually going to be seeing you in just a little while, supporting our Jewish brothers and sisters at a special event tonight, so thank you. And I just want to end off with this, Chief. You know, I, I was on the trains all day today, and I had a, I really had a busy day, and there is no better way to get around the city. And I had a very, very positive, safe I felt safe. I felt comfortable. It was clean. And I, you know, you're a huge part of that. So on behalf of this one quintessential New Yorker, thank you very much, Chief Mike Kemper. Arthur, appreciate it. Always appreciate your support. Well, uh, well, well appreciated. And I'll see you. Uh, I'll, I'll see you in a couple of minutes. <laughs> All right. All right, folks. Um, it is the bottom of the hour. We will be back. Um, we're going to have another great guest talking about what happened in court uh, where I was today. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Arthur Idala. I know it's hard to believe, but the holidays are here. Why not make them truly memorable this year on board the Atlantis yacht with New York Cruises? Captain Fred and the amazing New York Cruises staff go above and beyond with every detail. Whether you've been put in charge of planning the office Christmas party or are looking to do something exciting for the holidays, why not take the party off land and on to sea? Call 
212-633-1231 or visit NewYorkCruises.com and see how Captain Fred and his first class yacht crew will make your special occasion an unforgettable day. The Atlantis of New York Cruises is the perfect venue for corporate events, weddings, engagement and anniversary parties, reunions, retirement parties, birthdays, bar or bat mitzvahs, you name it. Call. 212-633-1231 to book your unforgettable event today or visit newyorkcruises.com. So what's the latest on the Trump trials and trials of all sorts? Imran Ansari joins Kevin McCullough tonight at 7 on Legal Night with Radio Night Live. We'll see you then. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. AM 970, The Answer, doesn't have to stop when you turn off your radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Download the app, just search AM 970, The Answer. Take us with you, wherever you go. Hello, this is John Leventhal. I am a partner in the law firm of Idala Bertuna and Kamins. I have been a lawyer for 43 years, including 13 years as a trial judge and 13 years as an appellate judge. I have presided over almost every kind of civil and criminal case, and I have seen litigants facing almost every legal problem you can imagine. What is the most important thing for a litigant to do? It is to obtain the right lawyer, someone with the ability to navigate you through the court system and achieve the best possible outcome. At Idala Bertuna and Cammons, that is what we offer. When I was on the bench, Idala Bertuna and Cammons earned the reputation of being the boutique law firm that fights passionately for their clients in the most professional manner in both civil and criminal cases. I am proud to be a member of the Idala Bertuna and Cammons law firm, where our lawyers will give you the powerful representation you all deserve. Hi, it's Arthur Idala, and it's back to school season, and many students finish college without a clear path towards a career. Do you know a graduate in this position? Well, tell them about Plaza College's accelerated program in court reporting, which allows them to speed their way into the legal field and make great money without going to law school. This is an in-demand, lucrative career with flexibility that more people need to know about. I speak to the district attorney's offices often, and they are in dire need of court reporters. Courts, schools, and television stations are all seeking these professionals to record and caption everything from depositions, classes, live shows, and sporting events. And the National Court Reporters Association has partnered with Plaza College to offer a free two-week virtual seminar that gives a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A to Z and is being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. So sign up today by emailing info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plazacollege.edu. D U. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in iHeart, Alexa, or Odyssey.com. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. 
Welcome back to the Idola Power Hour on this Thursday evening. A lot going on in the city of New York. That's an understatement. Boy, oh boy. So, um, I told you a little bit about the case that I was on at the top of the hour. I told you a little bit about um, what's going on with the uh, one of the fundraising people in the Adams administration. Well, uh, there was also a... Um, an event that I'll talk about after we speak to this guest regarding the, um, it was a positive event regarding the, um, president of the court officers union, Dennis Quirk. Uh, it was kind of a retirement walkout after 50 years. Everyone lined up. I'll tell you about it in a minute. But when I went down there, boy, the media was crazy in front of, uh, 60 Center Street, which is the civil courthouse, because that is where the Donald Trump civil trial is going on. And, I actually happen to be standing with Letitia James uh, at the Dennis Quirk walkout. Um, so to talk about what went on in court today in, in President Trump's uh, civil fraud trial, let's bring in attorney, former Time Magazine senior reporter and professor emeritus of political science at St. Peter's University in Jersey City, New Jersey, Professor Alan Sanders. Hello, Professor. It's Arthur Idala. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, how are you doing, Arthur? Um, I'm good. It's a, it was a very, very busy day for me today. It ended at around 1 o'clock in the morning last night and started again around 6 o'clock in the morning. And uh, we've been going nonstop, but it's, it's fun, it's exciting, it's interesting, it's challenging. So I'm not complaining at all. Um, I will tell you, though, I, I, didn't, I don't really have my fingers on the pulse of what happened in the Trump case today, besides the fact that his two sons, Donald Jr. and Eric, testified. Um, so I'm going to hand the mic over to you and, and have you take it away and inform everyone what took place today. Okay. Well, it's a little bit hard to follow because, of course, it's not being televised. So you're relying, uh, we're all relying on press reports that are coming out by dribs and drabs. But basically what happened is that uh, both uh, Trump uh, sons uh, were on the stand, uh, and basically uh, they denied having any knowledge or involvement in producing the financial statements that are at the heart of the case. They said, we didn't know, uh, we relied on the accountants and the experts, um, and um uh, that basically was the tenor of their testimony. Now, of course, the prosecutor tried to show that there are emails and there are documents and there are phone conversations that indicated that uh, the sons were at least knowledgeable and, uh, in the case of Eric Trump, may have been involved um, in producing some of the information that showed up on the financial statements. Um, so it all boils down, really, to a question of credibility. Um, the Trump sons are saying they were not involved, they relied on experts, uh, and uh, the uh, prosecution is saying, uh, no, you didn't, you were involved. And so it boils down to, to, to really credibility and also to the fact that if the Trump sons are correct and accurate, um, whether or not they were reckless or negligent, uh, they were uh, the top officers uh, at the time, and uh, they should have been involved. At least that would be the case that the prosecutors would make. So that's what happened today. Uh, and the press was there, of course, because um, anybody that's named Trump draws a lot of media. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's another same. Is Ivanka still supposed to come in and testify tomorrow? Uh, no, she's going to. She's scheduled to testify next week, but she is appealing um, her subpoena to testify. So she's scheduled, but whether she actually testifies, we won't know until uh, the appeals court uh, decides that. Uh, but Donald Trump um, is scheduled to testify. Donald Trump himself, senior, is uh, scheduled to testify on Monday. So uh, again, I think the media will be out there, maybe in even fuller force uh, next week. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, now, look, can I, Professor, since you, you know your stuff and you know how to explain it to folks, 
if you could just break it down, the judge, there's, there's no jury here. The judge has already decided that fraud was committed, correct? That's correct. Okay. Now, why are Trump's kids on the stand? What is the purpose? If we already know that there's fraud, what is the purpose of them testifying? And what is the purpose of the president testifying? Well, the purpose is to determine what the penalty should be, uh, essentially. Uh, the attorney general is asking for a $250 million fine. Uh, she's also asking that uh, Donald Trump and his sons are barred from uh, uh, being officers of any business in New York going forward, um, and also the licenses of many of his uh, uh, sub-corporations are on the line as well. So the whole point is, What's the monetary uh, penalty going to be based on the responsibilities that these people showed or didn't show uh, during this phase of the trial, and whether the Trump family is going to be allowed to engage in business in New York City? So well, isn't that the, I'm sorry, big, Professor, but isn't that the, I mean, obviously, again, New York I should say New York State, not New York City, in New York State. Sorry about that. But yes, go okay. ahead. Uh, you know, getting fined a quarter of a billion dollars is, is no joke for anybody. But isn't the bigger thing that what you just said, not being able to do business in New York State? That's right. And that's why you see Donald Trump being quite interested in this case. He's tweeted at all hours of the day and night about it, uh, accusing the judge and his clerk of being, uh, you know, um, uh, on a witch hunt. Uh, also, he has actually showed up. Uh, at the trial, uh, you know, not as not as on the stand yet, but he's shown up uh, uh, with his lawyer, so he's pretty much concerned about that. And of course, he's agreed to testify, which for Trump is uh, quite a quite a development. He's avoided testifying in all of uh, the other proceedings in which he's been asked to testify uh, voluntarily. Now he's showing up uh, to testify. So this goes to the heart of his reputation as a big. Um, and successful New York business person, if he's stripped of his um, uh, properties and he, if he's forbidden to conduct business in New York, that's going to be a big, big blow for him, uh, one that goes to, the, um, to his ego and, and to the central elements of his image as a successful person in business. We're talking to Professor Elaine Sanders about the Donald Trump civil fraud trial. Um, Professor, do you see any uh, avenue to settlement uh, without a, a decision by the judge? As you know, um, many of these cases do get settled. I would say the vast, vast majority of typical civil cases get settled. Well, we all know this is not typical. Um, do you, is there any indication that that could happen here? Well, there's always an indication. You, you never know. I mean, you're a lawyer yourself, so you know that uh, when you're on, on the, on, at trial and you're presenting the case, you're as aggressive as you can be in, in defense of your client, whether it's the prosecutor representing the state or the defense representing uh, a private party. Um, so it's not clear. But certainly the Trump attorneys have been quite aggressive uh, in confronting the judge and challenging uh, many of the things he does and says and rules. Um, and uh, at least I would say that because of their aggressiveness, they're probably laying the groundwork for what they believe would be a successful appeal. But, of course, that remains to be seen. So it's clear that they're maneuvering uh, for appeal purposes. Whether uh, there's a settlement uh, in the works, um, anybody that's anybody's guess at this point. Okay. Well, I want to thank you, Professor. Um, you know, this is a a anything... With Donald Trump, as you said, draws uh, a crowd or draws a media crowd, but it also challenges the law. I mean, the state case, the state criminal case in Manhattan with Trump is, you know, that is just so not typical. It's something I've never seen before. 
It doesn't seem to be very powerful. Uh, the Georgia case, uh, a RICO charge being brought against politicians and pardon the expression of political hacks is something like I've never seen before. Uh, you know, the documents that the president didn't return President Trump, you know, is, does that rise to the level of a federal uh, case? I mean, it may fit the elements, but are there other ways to go about that? I mean, do you see... Well, I would think certainly in the documents case, sure. I mean, you're talking about somebody who is taking home uh, documents that he's not entitled to uh, take home, and then there are allegations by the prosecutor that he showed top-secret documents to people who are not well, authorized uh, to see them. That's pretty serious stuff, and certainly something that is quite worthy of a federal prosecution. Now, we'll have to see uh, whether the proof is there, but certainly the allegations are extraordinarily serious. We wouldn't allow anybody to do that, let alone we wouldn't believe that a president would be capable of doing Doing that, but apparently the allegations are that he did so. Well, I guess at some point throughout the course of the next, I don't know, 12, 18 months, we're going to uh, we're going to figure out when these cases are going to go to trial, if they go to trial, and what verdicts could be and sentences could be, etc. It could be a real quagmire for the leadership of this country. Uh, only time will tell at this point. Doc, Professor Alan Sanders, thank you so much for joining us once again. I'm sure we will tap, in, tap into your brilliance in the future. Thanks again, Professor. All right. Take care, Arthur. All right, folks. Um, we got one more segment to go. I want to tell you uh, what, um, what I did earlier today because it was a kind of a special event for those of us around the courthouse i'll tell you where i'm going tonight um and i'm sure i'll throw some uh, some law, more law at you so don't go away we'll be right back all right kevin mccullough glad to have you with us thank you for listening to this station and for caring about the world around you it's one of the reasons why we exist at salem communications and in our New York radio stations, every year, we welcome back our friends, Food for the Poor. Paul Jacobs is here. And, Paul, we're helping countries like Guatemala and Haiti and children that live there. Why? Well, the basic reason is because these are children just like your children that need help, that do not eat every day. These are parents just like you that care about how their children is raised and don't have to worry anymore of how they're going to keep a roof over their children's head. They're going to provide them an education and give them food to eat. That, ans that can be answered with one act of generosity. Call 855-919-4673, 855-919-4673. You can also give online at am970theanswer.com, but the easiest way is just to call 855-919-4673. Hi, it's Arthur Idala. Get ready to save big all month long at Bay Ridge Honda's big Black Friday sale. This is big, big inventory, big benefits, and big savings with all new in-stock Honda models marked under MSRP. Browse hundreds of new 2024 Honda vehicles like the all-new Honda CRV, the Honda HRV, and the Honda Accord, ready for you to drive home today. And over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True Program at their 2022 President's Award-winning dealership. Visit your family-owned and operated Honda dealer for over 60 years, serving the five boroughs, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Staten Island, Queens, the Bronx. They all choose Bay Ridge Honda. Visit them at 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn, New York, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. That's BayRidgeHonda.com. Bay 
BayRidgeHonda.com. These deals are available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for detail. This sale ends 11-30-2023. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970. The Answer. Not only does Sam Bellino play a song off of the police's first album, Outlandish Day Amore, but he plays my, without knowing it, my favorite song off of that album. I mean, it is, this is the band, The Police, with Gordon Sumner, otherwise known as Sting, uh, with the lead vocals. Um, Andy Summers is playing the guitar. The Police released this debut album, Outlandish Day Amore, today in 1978. The working title was originally Police Brutality. Now, that was the working title of the album, not the band. And it was changed to make it sound more romantic because the title loosely trans to translate to Outlaws of Love, Outlandish Day Amore. Elevated by the success of its lead single, Roxanne, Outlandish Day Amore peaked at number 6 on the UK album chart and number 23 in the United States. The album spawned two additional hit singles, Can't Stand Losing You, which is fantastic, and So Lonely. Just listen for a second. For how long? For how long? For a thousand years It's a long time. I'm not on that door. It sounds like Espo's house. All made up and nowhere. <laughs> Oh, Johnny Beach is going to be all made up with his new coat and his new jacket he got today. Welcome to this one man That's it. Show. It's a one-man show. You should take a seat. Just take a seat there. You know how much you pay for those seats, Ambolino? They're free. Now, there's a live version on this of this song in the Police Live album. Is it good? I always play the star role. It's fantastic. There we go. What happens when you play my, one of my favorite songs in the whole world? You know, Sam Bellino, when I used to go on Imus, and he used to ask you your five favorite songs. This was my, this was one of my five. I did not know that. I know you did. <laughs> and it was a live version. It's unbelievable. Uh, so something that was, I'm not going to say unbelievable, but was really cool. It has to do kind of with the police, not the band, but law enforcement. Um, I was downtown. Next to the courthouse where Donald Trump's trial is going on, next to 60 Center Street. I was at 100 Center Street. Uh, it, it's on the corner of 100 Center and Hogan Place. Hogan Place named after Frank Hogan, the legendary district attorney of Manhattan. And um, I was down there for what's called a, a walkout. John Esposito, my partner, is here with me. John, why don't you just lean over to the microphone and explain to people, like, what, what is a walkout? It's not a strike. <laughs> a walkout is essentially a ceremony that is exclusively for law enforcement officials that have had a long and storied and honored career. And as opposed to, say, a uh, cocktail party, it's more of a tribute where that individual gets to walk out of a courtroom or through the streets in front of a courtroom with the streets or the courthouse lined with many, many officers and other dignitaries who basically are honoring that career. So today, Dennis Quirk basically had his walkout and the streets in front of, uh, the street in front of 100 uh, Center was lined on both sides. It was closed, it was closed to, close to the public close and to the public. many, many, many court officers of various ranks from uh, majors to just the uh, 
new officers who had joined the force, and on one side were color guard, color guard dignitaries, many of the judges, court of appeals judge. There was uh, DAs from uh, Manhattan, from Brooklyn, Staten uh, Island, Staten Island district attorney's office, and it was really, it was really a tribute. It wasn't a party; it was a tribute. And what Mister Quirk did is essentially followed by a. His family, he just walked from one end of the street to the other and stopped by and essentially shook hands and hugged many of the people that he had spent his many years. In his case, he actually was the president of the union for, I believe, 47 years. He was a court officer for approximately 50 years. And within three years, I think at the age of 23, he became the president. He's been the president for the last 47 years. And at this time now, he's going on to just hang out, I guess, with his grandchildren and uh, his family and his loved ones. So yeah, it was it was a it was a lot of pomp and circumstance. Uh, Captain Jimmy Campbell was uh, leading the charge. He, he he organized everyone. I saw my buddy Steve Cannon there. I mean, it was John Esposito. If there were 200 people there, between the two of us, we knew uh, 100, 175. Absolutely. 175. Well, they're also getting up there. I know, I know. We, well, at least I am. We're not kids. We got to see Judge Handshaft, our friend. And, uh, the, I mean, the chief judge of the state of New York was there, Rowan Wilson. The chief of the New York criminal, uh, the New York Supreme Court, uh, Ellen Bybin was there. Um, and just, it, it was a reunion. It was all the old clerks, like all these retired people. Wally was there. Mm, One well, of the, 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 a couple of majors were, we all, retired majors were there. It was really, really very special. And you know, and uh, I was with, uh, I spoke to District Attorney Bragg. And it's interesting, folks should know. So we're adversaries, right? We're natural. That's what we do. And um, you, you should know that behind the scenes, like we, we all get along. I don't know if it works that way as much in the civil world, but in the criminal world, the district attorney Bragg came over to, to me. You know, he he found me. I didn't find him, and you know, he complimenting on me on my attire. And then we went over to Rowan Wilson, the chief judge, and he was very well dressed, and we were all having some fun. The district attorney of Brooklyn, Eric Gonzalez, was there as well, um, and it was a very jovial um, event, and it just showed it's a. Those are the main components of what makes a courthouse, at least a criminal courthouse, work, right? So you had the prosecutors there, you had the defense bar there, you had the clerks there, you had the court officers there. What am I missing? Am I missing anything? Not really. And the common thread for all of it is people that are dedicated to public service. There's some brilliant, outstanding lawyers and other professionals that could be out in the private sector making a lot more money. But by and large, these are people who are dedicated to public service, whether it's as a judge, as a defense attorney, as a prosecutor, just across the board. So it's kind of a, a wonderful profession and on occasions knocking heads, but uh, always with a lot of respect. Um, John, you were with me. I spoke about it earlier in the show. You were with me for that case in, in Brooklyn. Kind of, I already went through the facts. Just tell folks what it's like when you walk out and there's all that media and that, that scrum. and like, what, What's that like from our point of view? Well, from my personal point of view, it's pretty easy because I'm standing next to you, and I know I could just stand there and you'll take care of the whole the whole show. But <laughs> on a serious note, it's it's somewhat intimidating because as a defense attorney, you don't want to necessarily be saying things that you shouldn't be saying. It's fact specific, and you're not going to give away strategies. But you also want to be somewhat receptive to the press so that they're able to do their job. And you know, sometimes it just gets a little crazy because there's too many, and it, it, it's in some sense 
overbearing. But by and large, you know, they're professionals and they need to have information and the uh, courts should be open like that. So it, it's a lot, but the court offices in the buildings have traditionally and always made sure that everything's done in an orderly fashion. Really fantastic. And Dennis Quirk, who we're speaking of, who's been the head of the union, he's been fantastic uh, doing it. John, there's a new uh, new head, a new president coming in. Who's that? The new president of the union, Steve Mikos. He's uh, been there He's for been a while. He was the vice while. president, knows his stuff. Like everything else, when you take over from uh, an existing president, there's big shoes to fill. But uh, I think the union's in good shape. Okay, and uh, they really were. I, I do. I didn't mention that earlier. They they treated us great. Um, they got us in and out. You know, there's always some safety concerns. There, you know, I mentioned the protest that was going on. Um, so it's uh, you know it's it's. It's an interesting job. You ever bored around here, Esposito? I'm just curious. Uh, I was bored before I met you, Arthur. You were bored before you met me. You met me in 1991. I haven't been bored since then. Okay. What are those things in your shoes inside? What do you call those things? Uh, Against my better judgment, you bought me... uh, Shoe trees. Shoe trees. Those are first... I bought you tonight's shoes in in Italy, Italy. so now you got to take care of them. Padre Lou touch. My first shoe trees. And I got you a beautiful sports jacket today for our Christmas party. No, Christmas party. I don't know. White shirt, black pants, and that jacket, you're going to be... Hot. All right, Sambolino, we good? We are good, sir. All right. We're ending off with Can't Stand Losing You? Yes, yes, we are. All right. I am going to see my Jewish brothers. Uh, it is the Board of Rabbis dinner tonight at the Pierre. And I had a choice to join John Esposito, Judge Kamen, Judge Leventhal, Judge Lewis, Lino DeMassi, Imran Ansari, to go to Jando's on the Bay to the Kings County Criminal Bar annual dinner. But I sent them, and I feel that what's going on in society right now, it's a little bit more important for me to be uh, and supporting my Jewish brothers and sisters. So I am off to uh, hang out with the rabbis. Tomorrow will be live and local Friday night here at a Dollar Power Hour. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 